Discovery Plus has your number. 55,000 episodes. Plus. 200 exclusive originals every year. Plus. And starting at $4.99. Boom. It's one of the best values in streaming. Discovery Plus. Stream what you love. This is a Radio.com original. There is a vehicle that Bob and I, how do we put this politely, absconded with, <laughs> borrowed, mm-hmm. test drove? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, am, I getting, yes. am I getting close, Bob, on this or what? You're getting close, yes. Yeah. We, we, But everyone knew we had taken it. Why they let us, we don't know, but... Everybody, welcome to an all-new Talking About Cars podcast, where everybody has a car story. I'm Randy Cardoon, who loves me a good car museum from time to time. I'm sure my co-host, Hot Rod Bob Beck, loves him some good car museums as well. So today on the show, we're going to talk with the owner and curator of a museum in nearby Oxnard, California, a man so blinded by our celebrity, Bob and my celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he actually allowed us to borrow one of his vehicles for a little video. Yep. It's on YouTube, right, Bob? Yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. So David Neal, the big cheese behind the Murphy Automotive Museum, and uh, Bob knows some of the background of the place, pretty much. I mean, David is not the original owner. No, it was a Dr. Murphy that started the museum, but it was more like, well, hey, I've got this storage garage and I'll put your cars in there. And he put some of his in there. And then he wanted to open it up to people to come in, but failed to have the marketing ability to do that. Mm. David came along and David said, well, I can do this. And before long, David was now the curator, the owner and the operator. And the doctor said, bye-bye. Yeah, I can understand how that works out. Yeah. What was the... Go ahead. I've been involved with Dave since about uh, 2001, 2002, or with the museum. as uh, I I helped sponsor for a while. And uh, I just volunteered to become a docent. And I'm doing some work on one of the cars for him. So I I definitely enjoy this museum. The people, the atmosphere... It's just a, a great down-to-earth place. A lot of people can go to the, you know, these other fancy museums where you pay big bucks to get in. You see these exquisite automobiles that you cannot relate to. And this is a museum where you can relate to the cars. We will not name the aforementioned thing you're talking about. No. By the way, I will say this, though. I have been to the Harris Museum in Reno. Yeah. Uh, that that was kind of cool. That, 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 that was, was kind of a new... That was... I don't believe it's in the same form that it used to be in though i think well, they changed it a little bit yeah holiday inn purchased the harris museum mm-hmm. which included the car collection after Hera passed away now some of those cars were sold off to enough to almost pay off the building that they bought but some of them were donated to a new museum in reno where mm-hmm. those cars are now held and you can still see them but uh it, it's it's a shadow of what the museum was the Hera museum was so large because Bill's, it was all Bill's private cars. And then he had much like yeah. play before. Then I got to drive a racing version of a Bentley. And nice. then uh, and one of the other guys that was there helped. So we worked on the car, got it running. And uh, that was. And there he is, ladies and gentlemen, live in the tiki room at the world famous <laughs> Murphy Auto Museum. Uh, the one, the only, the curator, the big cheese himself, David Neal. David, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you very much, Randy. Doing fantastic. Absolutely. And of course, uh, Bob has the birthday cake because we understand it's your birthday today. We'd sing yes. to you another year older today, but frankly, I don't know if Bob and I remember all the words. <laughs> I, I would like to hear you sing. I'd like to hear you try. Yeah, Bob. Do you remember Sheriff John, or were you around? You were here when Sheriff John was here. You know, have some pie and sandwiches and chocolate ice cream too. We'll sing and play the day away. But one more thing, I've got to do. I'll blow out the candles on the birthday cake. But I don't remember the words, so I don't. You know, I don't want to sing. I no, I remember the show. That's as far as it goes. Yeah. 
So there, yeah, I actually had Sheriff John when I was on beautiful downtown K-Wink Radio, oh, yes. uh, which was located on top of Hot Dog on a Stick in the old Fallbrook, Fallbrook Mall. <laughs> remember, remember that? Yeah. I don't know, David. Did you ever go to the Fallbrook Mall when uh, when they had the Weight Watchers uh, place located right next to K-Wink Radio? I've never ventured much past much south of Ventura County, so well, okay. Uh, those icons are foreign to me. <laughs> All I'll say about that was the one time they had a Weight Watchers meeting there and we had a chocolate chip cake day in the morning and we brought a huge chocolate chip cookie cake about the size of a pie or, or a huge pie. Yeah. Okay. Definitely some mixed messaging there. Yeah. We, we were not, they hated us for a little while, just a little <laughs> bit. So. <laughs> All right, David, let's talk Murphy. Let's talk classic cars. Bob and I, of course, have had a little bit of a history with you guys, but let's let's go back to you, which I think is the reason we have you on the show. Certainly, we're going to talk about the museum, but I always find it interesting. People who are involved in cars, especially displaying the number of cars you'll have at the museum, uh, how, how did you get involved with cars? Let's go back to your family did you grow up in a Chevy family, a Ford family? Give us a hint. Dude, a baker. Uh, dad always drove uh, Mopars. Oh. So, uh, yeah, I'm the fifth well done. kid. Yep, fifth kid. So uh, I came home in a 60 Plymouth uh, Suburban wagon, which had a uh, uh, station wagon camper on the top of it. And dad always drove Mopars. He traded that in much later for a 69 uh, Plymouth Custom Suburban. And then uh, he bought a second car at one time, a 72, uh, 71 Plymouth Duster with a 318. Uh, but I started collecting Matchbox cars and Hot Wheels when I was a little sprout. And I think that's when my love for cars uh, took, took hold. I was very, very young. Now, I remember in your museum, you have... You had one of those rooftop campers. Was that the mm -hmm. one your parents had, or was that something you acquired later on? So we had two. We had, uh, if you're thinking of the big white one, uh, yep. that's the one we had uh, growing up. That's called a light cloud. They were made in Des Moines, Iowa. They were made specifically for station wagons because in the late 50s and 60s, that's what America was driving. This yep. was the fiberglass where a lot of the weight sat on the tailgate that was put down, there was a pass through between that section and the cargo area. And then, uh, it, it had two sets of, uh, of hooks front and back that hung onto the gutter rails. And that was it. That's the only thing that kept you from, from, uh, uh, camping and having fun to, uh, uh, being a, uh, uh, a candle and a wreath on the side of the road. It looked very unsafe, but boy, we went everywhere in that thing, everywhere in that thing. My parents, you know, my parents were school teachers, unsafe. so they always had the summers off. Yeah, well, we didn't know it was unsafe. <laughs> and we survived. Right. And yeah. we survived, right? That's it. Without the warning labels, we did it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're what? here, aren't we? We're here. So, so uh, let me remember about the, was it a nine-passenger uh, Plymouth wagon? Yes. It had the... Uh, Seats facing the back? It had the rear. Yep. So my sister and I, she's four years older than me, but that still made us the smallest back in the in the late 60s, early 70s. So we rode in the back. Actually, when we took family vacations, uh, we took family vacations later with a tra travel trailer, and there was uh, seven of us. So if you remember in those old wagons, between the second seat and the very rear seat, there was a little, little cubby hole right there, like a little cubby. Right, and you could put things in that little storage area. Well, uh, that's where I rode when we took summer vacations. I rode in that little section, which is great because I had, uh, you know, my cars I could play with in there. I could sleep in there, and it was a great, it was a great place, private place to have as a kid uh, when you're taking vacations in the summer in a big old station wagon. That's your that's your spot. Wow, I I can imagine that. I, I think that would be a blast having your own separate area. Your brothers and sisters mm -hmm. can fight it out in the seats. You didn't care. You yep. were there all along. Yep. That's right. It, 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 would only, 
it would only be weird if let's say you carry that on to the next step. And then when you would drive in like one of those buses, the ones that had the luggage rack on the top, then you would climb into the luggage rack and just kind of hang there instead. That would be a little awkward. I'd say just a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's awkward now because, uh, I'm as an adult, I'm six foot six and, uh, uh, I certainly can't fit in, uh, in there now. I'm five move foot eight now, now, so I've. Oh yeah, move your camera yeah, up a little bit, down a little bit. Yeah, there, there, you, there go. we go. There you go. Uh, nowadays I'm five foot eighteen, so I try to, <laughs> I try to get in that same spot. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Nah, I could understand that. So your dad <laughs> had that wagon. What was the first Chrysler vehicle you remember him having? Uh, the '60 Plymouth oh, okay. uh, wagon, the one with the fins, you know. It was white. And so, then, uh, I, yeah. No, go ahead. Great, great white whale. Yep. And then the one I really remember was we traded that in and got the 69 Plymouth uh, wagon suburban called a custom suburban. And what impressed upon, I was actually, I rode home from him from the dealership that night when he traded in. And I was so impressed because as you guys know, on those Mopar era cars, there were turn signal indicators on the fender way at the top on the left and the right yep. and dad would turn right because i would be sitting you know, in the passenger seat he would turn right i thought that was the coolest thing to see that turn <laughs> signal indicator lighting on the top of that fender it's still i still love it when i see mopars uh around those old mopars like that way very so how did the what so was your first car a mopar my first car that i drove that I got my uh, driving test, I passed my driving test with, was the Plymouth Duster that he had. By then, it was it was about 10 years old, but I drove that car for a while, uh, and then I moved on to a pickup truck, old pickup truck he bought, and that was a Chevy pickup truck. But anyway, I drive, I'm a, I'm a Mopar man now. I drive a uh, 2500 uh, Ram pickup, so I like them. I like Mopar. And as you guys know, I've owned a few as a collector. Yeah, now, but you're still you're you're more diversified in the cars you own. You have an Avante. Yeah. You've got a Studebaker station wagon with the rollback roof. Yes. You've got. Uh, gosh, you've got the Chevy truck or a GMC pickup truck. Chevy, right? Chevy. And what else do you have? I have a Checker Marathon wagon, which is super rare. Yeah. Um, I picked that up in Burbank and spent a few years getting that reworked and that's a beautiful car no one's ever seen one really but a checker marathon station wagon i like jeep wagoneers so i have three jeep wagoneers i have a 64 an 85 and a 91 91 is the last year they made them uh and then uh i have a jeep pickup a j10 which is pretty rare uh but i had used to have more but i've lost storage so i've sold i've sold quite a few but that's uh what i'm down to but I'm down to now. You have so many cars. You should open a museum. Oh, yeah. wait. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that how you got, you got involved with the museum when it was still operated by Dr. Murphy? Correct. Is, so is that why you got involved? Yeah. Because you had so many cars? That's correct. So uh, I started acquiring cars because like a, like a true collector, uh, you collect, you don't, you know, you don't, sell one to buy one. I mean, some people do, but I liked the ones I had. So I started collecting and, and soon ran out of space in the two car garage. Uh, so I was at a car show with my old Chevy truck one time. And there was this man out there with a table called the Murphy auto museum. So I went over there to talk to him because I needed a place to store a car and it was Dr. Murphy. And so I stored a 66 Mustang convertible with him um, and got to know him through my storing a car and, and coming over to check on my car, work on my car. And he was always struggling to get real admissions through the door. Mainly it was his friends and buddies who would come and drink coffee and eat donuts. He was having a real hard time getting outreach and he knew I was into vintage travel trailers. So he asked me if I could put together a vintage trailer show for him. And that was June of 2013. And so since I'm connected in the vintage trailer community, I was able to get trailers to his show that filled up the whole parking lot. And he made 
uh, about ten thousand dollars admissions cash in one one day. It was a one day only show. Oh wow! And that's when he realized that maybe he shouldn't be running the museum anymore, and it should <laughs> maybe be turned into a real museum. And he tricked me. I say that he tricked me when he started talking <laughs> to me, saying you'll have a lot of fun. It won't cost you any money. So. <laughs> So I took over the the foundation. It's a it's a foundation. It's a five hundred one c three nonprofit. I took over the running of the foundation effective January first, two thousand fourteen. With the exception of his name being on the building and the literature, you know, Dr. Murphy has nothing to do with the museum. He he never comes around anymore. Uh, he's uh, he still lives in Ventura County, but he's not associated um, with the museum. But that's how it started, and and. Uh, uh, it's been a it's been a great run. So you have a connection with the uh, vintage trailer community, you, which means you probably know one of our previous guests, Justin and Anna Scribner. Flight the, oh gosh, yeah, flight camp. Flight yeah, camp. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, flight camp. Of course. Sure. Oh yes, 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 very much so. Okay. And I've been trying to get them into. I so I run before I was associated with the museum. I ran a uh, or I run a vintage trailer. Uh, rally up in Buellton, California. It's in September of every year, and I've been running that for years. And um, I've been trying to get them in because of flight camp, but uh, there always seem to be some conflicts. They've never been able to come to my show, but you know that's another topic we can talk about. But yeah, the vintage trailer community is what I'm really plugged into. And of course, cars, vintage cars, vintage trailers, they go hand in hand. Uh, you, if you like one, you like the other. Uh, and so I just have a lot of great friends and relationships through through this hobby of cars and trailers. So you realize Mr. Beck, who is with us on the show, plugged your yeah. uh, trailer show to them. In fact, <laughs> in fact, I didn't even realize the connection and Bob did it anyway, which goes to show you that we never do talk about the show before we actually <laughs> do the show. <laughs> so, yep. But I was going to say, now that the uh, video version of the show is up on our Two Tired Guys Talking About Cars channel, you should go over. In fact, any of you watching this right now that has not seen it yet, uh, go over to our uh, channel and look up uh, Justin and Anna Scribner's interview. And you'll see some of the stuff that we talked about and some of the trailers that they were talking about. Are, are amazing. I mean, yeah, they, they're the canned hams that you could hear about, but some of the ones that they've got have been very unusual. Mm-hmm. And you felt yeah, that they do again. an amazing job. Somebody, oh, go ahead. You were saying? Yeah, they do an amazing job and they actually come to, there's, there's another show every May uh, in Pismo beach. Now last year, 2020, it got canceled because of COVID, but it's back again. And they always have a big presence at that show. It's called the, uh, uh, Pismo uh, vintage trailer show. It's in May of, of each year. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there this year. They're going to be there. And that's the granddaddy of all the shows that has over 300 trailers in attendance. Wow. I got to try and get up to that just to see it. I, obviously, Me I'm not too, gonna actually. Thing. I wouldn't mind going to see mm-hmm. that. That's pretty well, wild. Come mm-hmm. on up. We'll, we'll caravan up. Yeah, and then we'll stay in hotels. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, maybe not, yeah. but you get maybe the idea. Not. Yeah. Um, well, we invited them to come down to Buellton. We brought it up. Yeah. It, was part of, it, was, it was a topic that we, we mentioned during our interview with them, and uh, – you know, they have these great stories, and I've seen some of their uh, work in pictures. Mm-hmm. They are amazing craftsmen. They put out, they, they're kind of mm-hmm. like the indig of trailers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave, uh, talk about um, some of the trailers you have. So, uh, currently, I have four trailers. Uh, we'll start with the oldest. I have a 19. Uh, 48 Airstream We Wind, uh, somewhat rare trailer. It's the first um, trailer that Airstream went into production with after World War II. So they were in production before World War II, but like everybody, they had to stop during the war. And then after the war, they ramped back up. And this is a very, very early version of an Airstream travel trailer. There were 60 made. Uh, this one is number 36, I believe, and there's about a dozen that's still left. 
and it's a very, very rare trailer. It has no practical value for everyday camping because there's no, there's no bathroom, but you can sleep two people comfortably. There's a, a kitchen and a, a ice box and a place to put your clothing, but it's more, for me, it's more ornamental. I take it around to car shows for day trips and things. And then I have a, a 1956 uh, new moon pop-up camper uh, that uh, goes on top of a car. It attaches the gutter rails. It's not like the camper we talked about earlier. This one's much more simpler. Uh, and then I have a 1960 trailer boat, which is like a teardrop, except the roof is a boat. So when you get to where you're going, uh, you can take the roof off and have a boat to go fishing. There's a little motor. And then oh, wow. at night you can sleep inside and there's a kitchenette uh, in the back. Um, and then I have a 62 Airstream, which is actually the first trailer I ever bought. I bought that trailer in 2005. So I've had that a long time. And then uh, we got tired of sleeping scrunched up. So last year before COVID, uh, my wife and I, we bought a 2016 Airstream, a 28-footer. And we use that when we're doing non-vintage events. And in fact, we're taking it to Arizona next month uh, to visit with family because you can stretch out and have the modern conveniences uh, uh, that we're used to. So yeah, I like the vintage trailer. And I've had other ones and I've sold them. Uh, and I by no means am the king of trailers. There's some people who have a lot of trailers and they just hang on to them, but they have the space to do it. And I don't, I don't. So you have um, four more than Bob Beck. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's right up there. But well, he, he's helping me with it. I mean, we've I've gone to uh, two of the events so far mm -hmm. as a spectator, and this year yep. I'm going to be in Buellton. We we got the mm -hmm. paint all stripped off, and the mm -hmm. goal is within the next couple of weeks to at least get the color code on. So it, it'll be it'll be painted within the next couple of weeks. So we're we're Very working good. on it from there. Very good. So Bob and Miss Peggy have a pleasure craft, which will be one of two pleasure crafts there, which make it. Okay. Make it pretty rare. As wow. you would imagine, in the vintage trailer business, uh, the Shastas are the one that's the crowd favorite. You always, at these shows, you always see more Shasta than any other trailer. One, you know, they're, they're practical trailers. They're designed very efficiently. But they were made in Simi Valley back in the day, and so it stands to reason you would have a lot of them in this area. So when you uh, go to these trailer shows, there's always Shastas, and they always tend to be uh, outrank every other brand. And their Airstream's the second one. That's it pulls up second. Well, Bob, I understand it has to be Shasta when it comes to that stuff. It, no. No. I'm got to be different. Oh, okay. Well. Got to be you know me, Randy. Come yes. on. Do I do, do I do anything normal? No, which is why you're co-hosting this show. I needed somebody who is like me and yeah, so it works out fine. Yeah. yeah. I I completely get that. So vehicles that you've had over the years uh, you mentioned a bunch of them, which are at the museum, correct? The ones you, the cars you have, David, are in the museum. So the ones I, I have now uh, are not at the museum. So just as a refresh, uh, when I took over the museum in January of 2014, we were in a 30,000 square foot space in an industrial center of Oxnard. And um, in the, uh, in the second half of, 2019 the landlord uh wanted to lease the whole building which is a ginormous building it's a hundred thousand square feet he wanted to lease the whole thing to a single guy so uh we got kicked out uh so we moved over to our current location where we are now and didn't have the space we had about half the square footage which meant we had to have about half the cars so all my cars went to a private storage place in Santa Paula and then, uh, other ones I sold. So all, none of, none of my stuff is here. This is just customers cars. By the way, here at the museum. in the interest of self-disclosure, I have to say that Bob and I, you had the incredible, you're a very smart man, but for some reason you let Bob and I drive some of your cars from one to the other, one museum to the other uh -huh. museum. And yep. I, yeah. that is mm -hmm. the first time I've ever driven a 59 Cadillac. I mean, how cool. I mean, thank you for that. I mean, that was that, that experience. And Bob, you got to drive some cool cars too. Yeah. And you got to drive a Model A. You got to drive a 1930 Model A, among others, I think. That's right. Sure. And that inspired me, Dave. I've got another Model A coming tomorrow. 
And uh, so I'll, I'll have a Model A uh, as of tomorrow morning, hopefully tomorrow morning. But sometime tomorrow, it's going to be delivered. So that inspired me. Of course, it's not quite the same as the one you have. This is a little mm-hmm. updated. But we got the project. That's okay. Thing. We got to assist you in the move and drive the Ute Cadillac. That Cadillac was in multiple zip codes at the same time. Um, <laughs> it sure was. Yes. Uh, yes, so it was. was. So let me let yeah. me give you an update on the Cadillac. Uh, the okay. Cadillac left us about uh, three weeks ago. What? So the yep, the owner came and got it. He uh, uh, has it up for sale now, uh, and he wanted to get it to his mechanic to do some sorting. And he switched it out with a Buick, a 57 Buick Century convertible. Now, I'm going to have to move on you because my battery is running low. So I'm going to move over here. Do you have to plug it in? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, this is, we're flexible. Zoom is flexible. Okay. We're getting the tour of the Murphy Museum. Just, (laughs) just, just don't put, just don't put the window behind you. Otherwise we get a lot of glare. Yeah. Oh, so now I've got, this map of the, I've got this map of the USA. If you are confused, you need to know where something is. You let me know and I can I can point it out for you. Okay. So, so tell me about the 57 Buick Century. That's on my list. By the way, we keep talking about top 10 list. That's on my mm-hmm. top 10 list. My uncle had a 57 Buick Special. No, he had a Century. Mm-hmm. And the Century is the 57 Buick, but it's got the, uh, it has the Roadmaster engine, the big mm-hmm. engine. That's mm-hmm. the one that uh, mm-hmm. they used to have on Highway Patrol. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. With, yeah, Crawford. Yeah. So, so. this this car um, was bought by the owner's dad, New. And mm-hmm. when the, the dad gave it to the son, which is the current owner, and um, he had uh, some rental property in Palmdale, so he moved the car over to Palmdale because he was going to do some restoration work. So he put it in the garage of his rental, and uh, the people who rented the place were doing some cleaning. They moved the car out in the driveway, and some guy walked came by and said, you want to sell that car? And the renters said, Sure. And they sold the guy the car with the bill of sale, no title, for $3,000. <laughs> and uh, the and then the renters leave and move, move away somewhere. And someone tries to register this car through the DMV to get a new title. And it sent off alarm bells. And to, put, to make a long story short, uh, it took him a lot of time and trouble to prove that it was his car. And he was able to get the car back. And then he restored it. And it's an excellent, wow! Meticulously restored. It's it's uh, black with a white top and a red interior, Ooh. and it's an absolutely beautiful car. Wow! Can't wait to see that if we have now, Mur- Yeah. Now the Murphy Museum, you are holding Muscles and Mojo events once a month, uh, which, just is, which is a coffee. Show. What car, cars yeah. and coffee for those who don't know? Mm-hmm. But things are opening up a little bit and you're being able to expand the operation. Yeah. So thanks for asking about that. So in Ventura County, um, museums, movie theaters, all this other stuff are, are have to close, but within the purple tier in Ventura County, they allow museums to hold outdoor events. So that's how we've been able to comply with the health regulations. So we've had our muscles and mojo the first Sunday of every month, for quite some time. And it's great. You know, it's outside. We don't let people inside except to use the facilities because you drink coffee, you're going to have to use the facility, but people are respectful. They stay outside, they're masked up and it lasts a couple of hours, but we've really noticed that people are coming more and more. It's because uh, I think some other car shows maybe have transitioned elsewhere. Uh, they're learning more about ours. So effective April, uh, we are going to have two muscles and mojo per month it would be the first good. sunday of the month and the third sunday of the month good and uh so i would encourage your your listeners and your followers uh to come on one of those two uh sundays or both and it's just a really great way to get your car out and come up to beautiful uh, oxnard and uh enjoy some friendship and coffee and donuts and 
and then, and as we transition into opening, uh, we're going to continue with the muscles and mojo, but we think we're going to be able to reopen uh, probably mid-April. Awesome. That sounds pretty cool. So let's go back to David Neal history and uh, go back into mm. the uh, Wayback Machine. Uh, let's talk about the car or vehicle that you had, Dave, that, that got away that you would one day like back. Is there one? My 60, let's see, 66 Dodge Charger. Ooh, first year. Yeah. I had. Yep, first year car. I got. I found that online out of, uh, um, out of um, Michigan, shipped it out here. Uh, needed a little work, but for the most part, fundamentally, it was in good shape. Needed new brakes, needed tune-up, and some, the doors needed sorting. And that was a car I had to sell because of the museum change. I didn't have a place to put it. And I sold it to some people that I know that up in Idaho. And so the car's up there now. But to, to find a charger that's original, that hasn't been messed with, that's the kind of cars I like. I like stock cars. That was really a beautiful car that I hated to get away. And it was an affordable car. It had a 318. It didn't have the big block. So the 318 made it affordable. But, you know... 318 has plenty of power for a car like that. It was a really fast car. And so that's that's the fish that swam away that I'd like to get again. And, and let's face it, for Mopar people, the 318 is pretty bulletproof. And I'm, I am mm I -hmm. had a 318 and a Dodge Polara in high school, a 64 Polara in high school. And the way I abused it, and that thing was the one thing that kept running while the, the rest of it was falling apart. The engine was fine. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a bulletproof car. We're going to take a break. Yep. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk to David about another vehicle. We drove behind his back, Bob and I. Well, maybe he, he, he looked the other way. We took off. Uh, what you're talking about. And there's video proof, by the way, which uh, we might be playing right now. I don't know. But uh, we're going to talk about that. Also, uh, David, with all his cars, we're going to find out what his top 10 list, or at least the top cars on his top 10 list are that he would like to someday have. Right here on the Talking About mm. Cars podcast on Radio.com's app, KNX1070.com, and, of course, the Two Tired Guys channel on YouTube. We'll be back after this. Support for this podcast comes from Progressive. What would you do with an extra $800? Buy a plane ticket? Pay down your student loan? Treat yourself to those shoes you've been eyeing? With Progressive, you could find out. Drivers who switch and save, save an average of $796 on car insurance. Get your quote online at Progressive.com and see how much you could be saving. National average annual car insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2019. Support for this podcast comes from Gentleman Jack. Sometimes in life, you need to go that extra step. Whether it's making a Wednesday night feel more like a Saturday night, or extending your vacation day to a vacation week, or as Jack Daniels likes to do, mellowing your whiskey drop by drop for a smoother taste. But with Gentleman Jack, the people at Jack Daniel Distillery decided to take that extra step and mellowed their whiskey not once, but twice for an extra level of smoothness. Take that extra step tonight by pouring a Gentleman Jack on the rocks or mix it into a perfectly balanced Gentleman Jack Sour. Either way, you'll have an exceptionally smooth taste in each and every sip. Gentleman Jack, make it count. Please drink responsibly. Double Mellow Tennessee Whiskey, 40% alcohol by volume, 80 proof. Distilled and bottled by Jack Daniel Distillery, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Gentleman Jack and Jack Daniels are registered trademarks. Copyright 2021, Jack Daniels, all rights reserved. Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owners, turn your smartphone into a cash register. PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy way to get paid in store, and they deliver the same security and trust PayPal is known for online, in person, even if you're a cash-only business. With PayPal QR codes, you can accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. There's no additional hardware or software needed. Generate your unique QR code from the PayPal app and display it on your device or print it to display in store. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app. You only need your smartphone. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. Hey, we're back. Randy Cardoon, Hot Rod Bob Beck, David Neal of the Murphy Museum in Oxnard, California, joining us here on the Talking About Cars podcast. Uh, David, when how would you describe the Murphy 
to those people who are unfamiliar with it as far as the kind of cars that are in it. I mean, there are cars that have certain kind of vehicles like classics. They're old time vehicles. They're, how do you describe the Murph? So most cars in the Murphy are American cars. Um, we do have a few foreign cars, but most are American. Most are probably in, uh, the ninth, the late fifties and anywhere throughout the sixties in terms of vintage. Now we do have some pre-war cars. We have a few model A's and a model T, but it's mainly cars that people grew up with. If you grew up in the fifties, sixties, seventies, and eighties, and you probably saw these cars on your street. And that's what makes uh, our museum uh, unique. Now in the old days, we were across from the Mullen, you know, everyone knows about the Mullen and usually people would, uh, see both museums uh, in a in a day because we were just right across the street. You know, Mullen has limited hours. We're always open on the weekend, and people would come over and say, you know, the Mullen is beautiful. It's a different kind of museum. It's outstanding, but we like your museum too because you're the kind of cars that that we grew up we grew up with. So our cars are the everyday cars that you remember down the street. Maybe your parents had one, and that's kind of the flavor of of the museum. You know, most are in really, really, really good shapes, you know, a few are Concours, but a lot of them are drivers. You know, the, the museum owns some, uh, some of them are owned by private collectors who keep them here and they come and drive them from time to time. Uh, and the other thing about our museum is you're able to get up close to the cars. Of course, we don't let people get in the cars, but you're able to get up close to the cars and look at them, take all the pictures you want. So I think that as a museum experience, uh, that, among other things, makes us very, very unique uh, among the car museums out there. And for an example of this, there is a vehicle that Bob and I, how do we put this politely, absconded with, <laughs> borrowed, mm -hmm. test drove? Mm -hmm. uh, oh, am, I getting, yes. am I getting close, Bob, on this or what? You're getting close, yes. Yeah. We, we, but everyone knew we had taken it. Why they let us, we don't know, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we took it it was a 19 and there's a video on it now bob where's this video it's on youtube right yeah it's on youtube and okay. you know we even had witnesses to what we were doing <laughs> we put our wives in the back seat oh yeah yeah oh it was a trip for them yeah for some of us they've never let it let us forget that uh, no, they, they deal with us one-on-one -on -one usually but when both of us are together it was mass hysteria. Uh, both, both barrels. But it was fun. It was really yeah. fun. And it was a 1968 Chrysler Newport, right? Newport wagon? With a town and country trim. That's correct. Country, yeah. And the funny thing mm -hmm. was, I had a 64 Dodge Polaris at the time that had C-body seats in it. And that car is now, I've sold it, and it's now in Sweden, and that's another story. Some of you guys may have remembered me talking about it or posting about it on the uh, social media. But at the time, it had seats that I could not recognize. I had no idea where these seats came from. And one day, Bob and I were looking at it, and I looked at the seats, and I went, OMG. I sort of said that. It was the seats that were in my 64 Dodge that I had no idea what kind of seats they were. So same trim, same everything. And armed with that information, I still couldn't sell them at a swap meet. But nonetheless, <laughs> we took a ride. And Bob, what do you remember from that uh, ride in the uh, wagon? It had been decades since I'd been in anything that big. It was just, it, it was immense. And it, you went down the road, it was like sitting in your living room. Chrysler always had the upright seating and mm -hmm. such with their cars, but it was, it just floated down the road. Yeah. And it was just an amazing car, plenty of power. Uh, it was an enjoyable drive. And we just, uh, we just loved that car. I mean, it, it was just an amazing car. Now I want to find like a 71 Plymouth uh, Suburban or something like that. And uh, that would be fun to drive around. And the only problem would be gas mileage. But hey, you don't drive those things enough to worry about gas mileage. Nope, if you correct. That, People ask me sometimes tonight. Yeah, that's right. You don't worry about that. In fact, I'd say, David, that you need some like two guys to take some of your cars out on a ride and like do a video on it and and talk about it. I think I could think of probably two guys mm. who might be of interest in something like that, you know? 
guys yeah, one, might be might you might know one guy that would talk about the experience and then another guy that would talk about the history of the car absolutely yeah, yeah that would be kind well, of fun. next time you're in santa paula i've got some nice cars you boys can get in and and <laughs> uh and go for a spin santa paula you santa got more paula. cars up that's well, right that's where i keep my personal stash yeah uh-huh. yeah okay personal stash there we go. Like yeah. So, right. well, museum, you've got to see the museum. You've got to come up and see it and uh, come out for, for Muscles and Mojo because it's a great social event. So just a little shameless plug as we reopen. We are going to have a work party on Saturday, March 27th, starting at 10 o'clock. And our purpose is, uh, since the museum is laying dormant for about a year on the interior, our purpose is to dust and clean and freshen up so if you're viewing, uh, if your viewership um, wants to come up to the museum uh, in Oxnard on March 27th, starting at 10, there's plenty for folks to do. We're even going to drive some cars around because we have to reposition the cars. Wow. But we love uh, 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 volunteers. And I would add, uh, in case folks don't know, the museum has no paid staff. There's 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 no director that's paid. Uh, it's 100% donation driven. The folks who keep the museum going, like like you guys, because I've seen you guys around here, everybody does it uh, as a volunteer on their time. And what that does, that just makes sure that the monies we receive uh, for donations and door admissions uh, go straight to the museum experience uh, and uh, make it a great place for uh, a great destination for families. Have we... Have we have we talked about the model train that's in here? Are we going to get to that? Well, uh, I was going to ask later? about that because you had the model train at the old one. Are they going to be putting that in the new one? So as we are speaking, the the model train guys are here. So I originally didn't invite them because I wasn't sure how our layout was going to be in our new museum. But we found a space for them. It's about 770 square feet. They're having to take their ginormous layout they had at the old museum and scrunch it down, but it's still going to be uh, the only large working scale model railroad in Ventura County that I know of that's not private. And so the admission to the museum uh, uh, gets you to see the cars, the Americana slash memorabilia, uh, the working model HO train that should be finished hopefully by the end of April. And the Fireball Art Gallery. So Fireball Tim, who mm-hmm. is a friend of this broadcast, a friend of the museum, he, he has uh, uh, art from uh, famed automotive artists that's in the museum. And so uh, folks can see uh, the artwork as well. And, of course, the artwork is for sale uh, for folks who see something that, uh, that they really like and enjoy. Uh, they can buy it right off the wall and take it home. Fireball is indeed a FOP, F-O-P, friend of... Yes. Yes. And Fireball has set up a number of uh, artists there that are friends of ours mm-hmm. as well. And mm-hmm. we love looking at their stuff. And they put out some special uh, artwork there. Now, what besides the artwork, you know, we were talking about some of the cars that were there. One thing that people mm-hmm. may not be aware of is Carol Shelby's widow oh. lives mm-hmm. in the area and she has just put her Rolls Royce wood bodied car in the museum as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's correct. That's a 1931 Rolls Royce. Um, she and Carol bought it at auction in Texas in the 90s. And they uh, had it at their place in Texas and then shipped it to Los Angeles where they drove it around at their in their neighborhood there in Los Angeles. And then uh, the Peterson had it and they had it in the vault. And uh, she moved it here because she wanted uh, people to be able to enjoy the car and not be in the vault. Now, granted, we've been closed, so no one's been able to enjoy the car. But when we reopen, uh, it's right front and center in the museum. It's one of the first things you'll see uh, when you get in here, and it's really special. There's a picture of Carol and Cleo. Cleo is his widow uh, with the car, and they're just a great story to that car. I'm so glad she uh, asked us to keep it for her and and we're, we're, we're ginormous layout they had at the old museum and scrunch it down, but it's still going to be uh, the only large working scale model railroad in Ventura County that I know of that's not mm-hmm. private. Awesome. And 
So the admission to the museum uh, uh, gets you to see the cars, the Americana slash memorabilia, uh, the working model HO train that should be finished hopefully by the end of April, and the Fireball Art Gallery. So Fireball Tim, who mm-hmm. is a friend of this broadcast, a friend of the museum, he, he has uh, uh, art from uh, famed automotive artists that's in the museum. And so uh, folks can see uh, the artwork as well. And of course, the artwork is for sale uh, for folks who see something that uh, that they really like and enjoy. Uh, they can buy it right off the wall and take it home. Fireball is indeed a FOP, F-O-P, friend of podcasts. Yes. And Fireball has set up a number of uh, artists there that are friends of ours as well. And mm-hmm. we love looking at their stuff. And they put out some special uh, artwork there. Now, what besides the artwork, you know, we were talking about some of the cars that were there. One thing that people mm-hmm. may not be aware of is Carol Shelby's widow oh. lives mm-hmm. in the area. And she has just put her Rolls Royce wood-bodied car in the museum as well. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's correct. That's a 1931 Rolls Royce. Um, she and Carol bought it at auction in Texas in the 90s, and they uh, had it at their place in Texas and then shipped it to Los Angeles where they drove it around at their, in their neighborhood there in Los Angeles. And then uh, the Peterson had it, and they had it in the vault, and uh, she moved it here because she wanted uh, people to be able to enjoy the car and not be in the vault. Now, granted, we've been closed, so no one's been able to enjoy the car. But when we reopen, uh, it's right front and center in the museum. It's one of the first things you'll see uh, when you get in here, and uh, it's really special. There's a picture of Carol and Cleo. Cleo is his widow uh, with the car, and there's just a great story to that car. I'm so glad she uh, asked us to keep it for her and and we're 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 doing a great job keeping it uh, nice and clean and uh, available for those to see it once we get reopened. A lot of and cool she cars. Gets, she comes up and yeah, and she comes up and visits it at Muscles and Mojo. We've seen her there a few yes, times. Yes. We've interviewed her uh, ourselves uh, once or so, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. she's an amazing lady too. Because what people may not know is Carol Shelby's wife was a racer and famous in Great Britain in her own right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she's a, yep. she's a car person. Yep. She raced uh, Jaguars. Uh, and that's how they met. They met uh, uh, at an event where she was racing. And she also uh, uh, is a model, a British model. But she's been over at the States for, for quite some time. Yep. And uh, she floats between Los Angeles and Las Vegas with Shelby American up there. She has a residence in both places. And there's all sorts of other really cool cars to check out. I, I would imagine uh, the website has some of the pictures of some of the other cars there, but uh, you can uh, check it out. They're going to put all sorts of pictures on there as well if they're not already there. So uh, you ought to come up if you're in the Southern California area in the Ventura yep. County area anytime soon. Mm-hmm. You're going to want to check out the Murphy Museum as well as, why not, the Mullen Museum as well, but for a different kind of car. Hey, so let's go right to it. Everybody's got the list, David. Top one, uh, top ten list of cars that you want someday that you haven't been able to get your hands on yet. Give me the first okay. few. I would love to have, and I told this to Mark Green on Cars. Yeah, I would love to have that sixty six sixty seven Ford Country Squire wagon uh, with the four speed, the big block engine with the four speed. Yeah. Because uh, I love wagons, and I would love to have that one um, to have a floor shift, and it has the upgraded, I guess you would call it the LTD tram. It has a floor console with the shifter in there. I would love to have that car uh, uh, someday, and um, I would love to have uh, a Roadrunner. I think the Roadrunners are super cool. A you know, Roadrunner with the big block engine and a four-speed with a factory tack. Mm-hmm. I would love to have that. Roadrunners are big body cars. And again, I'm a bigger person, so I would fit just fine <laughs> in a Roadrunner. So if anybody out there has a Roadrunner they want to sell me or donate to the museum, then, uh, hey, I would like to talk to you uh, about that. And then probably uh, I've never had what they call the glamour pickup, you know, the 72 C10 
that was the last year of that body style before they changed. And to have a really nice uh, uh, 72 C10 and a two-tone body color, uh, that would be something I would enjoy uh, driving around. And you see them, but like everything else, the, the nice ones are going way up in value. C10s, as your as your uh, as your fans know, if they're tracking them. C10s have really gone up in price the last few years. They're starting to get stratospheric in, in price. Um, that may be one I just observed from afar. But those are the those are the top ones that I would really uh, like to have. Uh, please visit us at murphyautomuseum.org. Uh, we'll have a lot of information about our reopening. And then in the in the toolbar uh, on that website, you'll see uh, collections, and then click down to permanent collection, and then you'll see all the cars that are currently in our in our museum. And then the official Murphy Auto Museum is our Facebook page. That actually gets updated and contributed to a couple of times a day. Uh, the the website is a, is a little more conservative, but the, our Facebook site, the official Murphy Auto Museum, there's a lot of activity on that. So please uh, like us on Facebook. Absolutely. So go do it. Do it now. Don't forget to listen, like, share, and most important, subscribe to our audio podcast on radio.com and our video podcasts on the Two Tired Guys Productions YouTube page. When you subscribe, you get notified when a new show goes up, and it helps all of us. We help you. You help us. It kind of works out that way, you know? Yeah. So follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, of course, don't forget you find yourself in ventura county you need to visit the museum the murphy museum and check out all the cool cars out there as well so david thanks for joining us until next time i'm randy that's bob that's david like i said and we're all talking about cars we'll see you next time everybody